0: Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview. Newcastle welcome Manchester City to St James's Park on Saturday. On the back of that wonderful win against Sunderland in the wee time derby, but Newcastle will be looking to get back to winning ways in the Premier League. And you might remember lost to Nottingham Forest on Boxing Day. Eddie Howe was not lost at home in two consecutive games, so you'll want to avoid that record being broken. I'm joined as usual by John Gibson. John, before we talk about Manchester City, I can't let the episode go by without getting your brief thoughts on Newcastle beating Sunderland in the FA Cup. How are you feeling about that result?
1: I, absolutely delighted. Um, I, I felt it was man against boys, to be truthful. Uh, right from the off, I thought the only thing that could really upset the apple cart for us is if, we didn't have our attitude right. If we had our attitude right, we went after the game from kickoff. then the class would tell. And the class gap was huge. Um, I felt it was literally man against boys. Uh, terrific result. Very, very comfortable. Even at 0-0 and in an goal, I always felt it was only a matter of time, and it surely was, and, and so it turned out. I mean, the good news from that result is not only did we get the bragging rights, which we haven't had for nine derbies before that, but confidence came back for the team as a whole. The fans got a lift and individual players who really did need a lift got that lift. And uh, that is very, very important. But what I've also got to say is that you know, Sunderland represented the foothills of Everest. While playing a championship side. When you play in Manchester City, that is the the top of Everest. It, there is a massive, massive difference between the two matches. But it would have been unthinkable to lose to Sunderland and then have to go in against Man City. It has done a lot to boost uh, everyone concerned. But we're not foolish enough to think it's not the ultimate test this weekend.
0: Well, that's what I was going to ask you because of course, we're all enjoying having the bragging rights. You of course enjoy beating Sunderland for the first time since 2011, but it is also important. And you've alluded to it there, John, to keep your feet on the ground because a lot of the reaction this week has been about uh, describing Sunderland as potential overachievers in the championship. They were, they were bang average in experience. You know, they weren't very good and Newcastle, They should have won that game, as they did, and they probably should have won it uh, a little bit more. And it is important, as you say, to remember just how poor Sunderland were, where their level is, and then what's coming up on Saturday. And that's going to be the big test to make sure that Newcastle's players and Newcastle's fans, to a certain degree, don't let the result against Sunderland give them overconfidence and uh, uh, a naivety about the challenge against Manchester City. I mean, this is the ultimate test, Andrew, no
1: question about that. I mean, Manchester City in 2023, in one calendar year, won five trophies, including the Premier League title, the European champions and World Club champions. That's the sort of thing we're facing. We're not facing a side that is little more than mid-table in the championship. With all respect to Sunderland, that's where they are at this given moment, having been down in League One before that. They're million miles off being what Manchester City are. And what's going to be significant is how far Manchester City are further down the road than we are. We aspire to be Manchester City sometime in the near future. But, I mean, the truth of the matter is that since Eddie Howe and the Saudis took over at Newcastle United and transformed the club from what it was to what it is now, We've still only taken one point from five matches against Pep and Manchester City. And that is the sort of uh, challenge we are facing this weekend. It is the ultimate challenge. Liverpool are magnificent, um, etc., etc. Arsenal, until the recent blip, were quite awesome. But Manchester City is a different class. And that is what we're facing. Yes... If we want to cling on to the optimistic mood of late, we can say the next two games are Man City at home in the league and Aston Villa away, who've got the best uh, away uh, the best home record in the Premier League. But we've beaten both of them this season, which sounds quite incredible. But we beat Man City one nil in the uh, in the League Cup and we trounced Villa five one and. On the opening day of the season uh, What worries me Is that's like poking a, a Lion with a stick isn't it You 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 wonder if they're going to come back And bite your head off uh, Because that's possible I mean the only good thing is We ought to be in the game all the game Because we played City twice We beat them in the League Cup Albeit we both had Different sides out to what we would normally have uh, And we Walloped uh, Aston Villa 5-1 but you know that gives you hope but really the realistic thing is this is going to be the test and this is a bigger test than, than Villa away in, in my eyes because this is the ultimate club side
0: in this country
1: without a shadow of a doubt
0: Yeah the best club in the world you you, you would argue with probably the, the best the club moment, in the world as well Absolutely Absolutely um, I have got some stats, John, and I will warn our listeners and viewers, they're not uh, nice stats <laughs> for United fans, but I'll read them out anyway. Newcastle have won just one of their last 32 Premier League games against Manchester City, and that victory came in January 2019, a 2-1 victory. And City, their Premier League history, they've won more games, scored more goals and kept more clean sheets against Newcastle than any other opponent. So, stats are not in Newcastle United's favour, but stats are there to be broken. And as good as Manchester City are, John, if you look at their form of late in the Premier League, running up to Christmas in, in particular, they've not been the Manchester City that we've come to know and expect. You know, only beating Luton 2-1. Luton took the lead in that. 2-2 against Crystal Palace. Um, Everton managed to get a goal against them. Sheffield United were unlucky um, uh, to lose two nil to Manchester City. You know, yes, you know they've picked up a little bit, but the, the, I, I think this is not going to be a cricket score by any stretch of the imagination. I think if Newcastle turn up and apply themselves correctly, they take the positives from the game against Saturday. They, they you know, harness the confidence that they've taken from beating Sunderland. They can give Manchester City a, a real good go. And, and and when Newcastle United want to be, John, they have to give Manchester City a good game on Saturday. Of course, absolutely.
1: I mean, what we can also say to bolster our hopes, it, we've played them twice already this season. We beat them 1-0 in the Cowboy Cup. And uh, as I say, the sides were slightly different then, uh, personnel, to what they will be on Saturday. But we only lost 1-0 down in Manchester City. Now, I know we weren't very much of a threat offensively, but nonetheless, the score was only 1 nil at their place, all of which sounds good. Until you suddenly realize, Andrew, that uh, in our last two league games, we've lost to Luton and Nottingham Forest. So, you know, if, if, Manchester City haven't been too good recently. We've been absolutely rotten recently in the Premier League because they were six-pointers. Before we played those two matches, we said, well, they take six points to keep everything going, and we took no points. So our form, they'll be looking at us and saying, hey, never mind them beating the championship side. Did you see the result against Luton and Forest?" And we said they only just beat Luton. We lost to Luton. So there is a class gap Which is absolutely undeniable But you're absolutely right I don't think it'll be a cricket score There's a huge difference between saying that And saying Newcastle United will win by the way <laughs> Which is Which is what the game's all about But um, yes uh, The good thing is that confidence Has been restored And it's been restored individually as well Which was very important Andrew. If you think about it Our two white men who who So much of our success has been built upon Almer and Gordon being quick and and running sides to death, etc., etc., and who had been quite iffy recently, both returned to form very much so against Sunderland. Now, Cynics would say, well, so they should, because they're class above Sunderland's full backs, and they are, but they did return to form, and that will have given them two lads a boost. Joe Linton, I thought, was awesome before he went off with an injury. And that's the big worry. He went off with an injury. But he was absolutely awesome. Um, Isaac scores a couple of goals. Is a different class. I mean, what a difference. They haven't got a centre-forward and we had Isaac. I mean, that alone was a massive difference between the two sides. And Trippier looked more like the old Trippier. So a lot of individuals got a big plus out of that game which they can take into this one, although we reiterate doing it against Sunderland and doing it against Manchester City is two different things.
0: It certainly is, but the hope will be within the Newcastle United camp that the victory over Sunderland starts the momentum going. They can kick-start their season because it has been a difficult six weeks or so for Eddie Howe and Newcastle United but as you say that the test of man's Chester City is quite something to um, continue the rebuild of this campaign but you mentioned there John Joe Linton and he will be a huge loss to Newcastle United because when he is in the middle alongside Bruno the two work really well off each other he's the physical uh, presence in the centre of the park he loves a battle and to not have him in the, in, in the middle it's, it's devastating. Now, Lewis Miley will most likely come in and be the man... It has play. been confirmed
1: Joe Linton's not playing.
0: Yeah, well, um, he's, a, he's a big doubt, obviously. We'll yes, hear from I, I, I don't
1: expect him to play. No. I mean, if you remember when we did this podcast a week ago talking about Sunderland, I was advocating moving Joe Linton out of the left wing position and back into midfield even though it meant sacrificing miley who's a young boy of immense immense uh, promise because i felt they were just run- sides were running through newcastle's midfield straight onto our back four and causing chaos and i did say even though it meant miley going out and what do we do up front we brought our back. I did advocate very, very strongly for Joe Linton to go back in midfield. And I thought in the first half, when we had to establish our foothold in the game and go on from that, not only did he make the goal, but he was absolutely awesome. And he will be a massive miss. Because whoever we've got in midfield, and whether that's Bruno, whether it's Longstaff, whether it's Miley, whether when they're fit, it's Willick or Anderson, none of them have got the physicality that Joe Linton's got. And while we haven't got a six, and I'm still a big advocate of we need a six, while we haven't got an out-and-out defensive midfield player, and Joe Linton isn't that, but he compensates for that because of his, his brute force. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's got the brute force and the size and the power, but he can also play. And that's a lovely, lovely combination. But he would be... And for a game like Man City, where we really need to stem that midfield, because that's where they play from the back and stick it into midfield and do everything through Foden and everyone else. They're just wonderful there. And he would be, I think he won't play, he's a massive, massive uh, miss. It would be Lewis Miley, obviously for him. There isn't a lot of option, uh, but Joe would be a miss. And that's not a criticism of Miley. I mean, Joe brings what Longstaff doesn't bring and what Bruno doesn't bring. Uh, so it, it's not a, it's not in any sh- way, shape, or form a criticism of Miley. It's just
0: we need what he's got. Mm, yeah, m- more certainly, like you say, we'll expect it to be Lewis Miley to start if Jordan does indeed miss out. And the concern will be about the midfield, John. You know, we've spoken yep. time and time again on this podcast about all three midfielders, particularly when it is uh, Bruno Longstaff and Miley breaking forward and then being hit on the counter. And they've been punished for of late against Forest, against Luton, against Liverpool. One team that will definitely punish you will be Manchester City. So are you hoping, John, that this week, Eddie Howe, Jason Tindall, the rest of the staff have pinpointed either Longstaff, either Bruno, maybe even Lewis Miley and have just said to one of them, you are going to have to sit... You are not going to be allowed to go forward because if you go forward and we don't get in the back of the net, it's going to be as quick as that and we're going to be found out and we're going to absolutely. Is that the message that needs to have gone out this week? It's got to have done because, I I mean,
1: even before we went to Sunderland, et cetera, et cetera, I've been saying Bruno's not disciplined enough to sit. He's got the ability, but he's also got a, a unique ability going forward and he really wants to do that job and um, but you know we were indisciplined in midfield we don't have a shield we don't have people that keep the responsibility to chase the ball in midfield and we get dragged around something awful and by the way is there a better side than manchester city to take advantage of that no there's not uh, and that's why joe linton will be one heck of a miss if he doesn't play one heck of a miss because Bruno's indisciplined, Longstaff is not anywhere near the form that he was when he was in his pump last season and perhaps the beginning of this season. Um, And Miley, wonderful, wonderful talent, is more of a forward talent. People still run off his shoulder defensively. But the one off Longstaff now at the moment and Bruno it, it doesn't hold his position. So there's nobody with that sort of curbing instinct. And Miley's learning the game and he's he, he's wonderful on the ball and that, but people have run off him. That's why he didn't start against Sunderland when Joe Linden did, because not because his forward game isn't good, but but because people run off him a little bit and you think you, you might get more defensively out of Longstaff. I'm a bit worried about Sean, he's nowhere near what he was He he is, you know, Almiron's come back, Gordon's come back Isaac Trippier looking a little bit like they used to look Longstaff hasn't made that step yet Um, And, you know, if someone's going to look defensively at this midfield against City It's got to be Longstaff really, Bruno hasn't got the temperament to do it and, and it's not Miley's strength to, to play defensively. So, it would have to fall on Longstaff's shoulders if Big Joe's not there.
0: I agree with you. But ironically enough, it's Longstaff that's getting into the goal-scoring positions in the last few games. And, he's had and missing them. Chances and missing them. So, I think he needs a goal sooner rather than later. And hopefully that will then kick-start his own campaign. But I just want to ask you, John, on the talk of number sixes, the transfer market is, of course, open. Yeah. Now, we spoke about Calvin Phillips. I'm not going to ask you about him. But no. I'm going to ask you, firstly, about the return of Isaac Hayden. He's been on loan at yep. Stanley Age in, in Belgium. Um, there's been few people suggesting that maybe he could be the short-term remedy to that number six uh, issue until the summer when Newcastle can maybe go out and buy a proper number six or a different class of number six. I can't see it happening myself. You can't say Hayden coming back into the, the team for, for the remainder of the season, can you, John?
1: No. Not not for one second. I think there's as much chance of Hayden coming back and deciding as there is Ryan Fraser coming back in on the wing, um, for different reasons. I mean, Hayden, he, uh, Isaac Hayden did a good job when he was here originally. There's no question he was one of the better players. He was committed to the cause. He did terrific for us. He's had bad knee injuries since, and I think that's taken... out his game as it stood He went to standard liais because they wanted the sort of player we are talking about Uh, A a six, a shield, somebody that could pass it, etc, etc Now with all respect to the Belgian league It is nowhere near the Premier League And they've sent them back early Because he didn't cut the ice So if he didn't cut the ice in Belgium What the heck is he going to do in the Premier League no, he's he's the. I mean, that's fanciful thinking. It's lovely thinking. It's remembering what he did for us once, but that was yesterday, and today is a different day. And no, I don't think he would do the job, and I don't think that um, that
0: uh, our manager will look to him to do the job. I'm just going to read you what the uh, the gaffer from Stanley Ish said uh, about Isaac Hayden. Thought he was a little bit brutal to be honest he said um we wanted a player who would bring an immediate superior quality to the team isaac has had a lot of experience in the premier league he's a true number six capable of settling the game um and what else he says sorry my my page jumped there um settling the game goodness me where's it gone settling the game as a stable element But in the image of the team, he's had some good games, but then was too inconsistent. So he's too inconsistent for Stanley Age, he'll be too inconsistent for Newcastle United. And the other name, John, I just want to ask you about briefly, Jordan Henderson coming back from Saudi Arabia with his tail between his legs. Now, I've done a, a video on this on our YouTube channel, so if you haven't seen it already, go and check it out. And I think, actually, in many ways, it would be the perfect deal. He's experienced... He's still a good quality player, can play in that position. He's a leader, but then I do question more than anything his decision to go to Saudi Arabia when he had other offers. And for I mean, me, not, be, not to, deal. What about yourself?
1: Then just off the top of my head, one two of the things that really strike me about that, and he is a disciplined player, he's a good leader in a dressing room, as he, as he proved at Liverpool, etc., etc., etc. But the two things that do strike me, the more flippant one is that he is a Mackham, so, you know, the welcome mat's going to be well out at St. James's Park. Uh, It's like Pickford, who was at the Stadium of Light, supporting the losers um, in the Derby match. Uh, So, I don't, you know, that doesn't appeal too much, but We've got enough Saudi trouble, and I mean that with respect to our owners, who will be nothing but brilliant for us, but we get enough passion over the head about Saudi and our links with Saudi. And and Henderson, who was had a saint-like um, reputation at Liverpool for supporting causes and, and, and being a top, top man, is suddenly getting brutalised by everybody over the way he took the money and went against... You know the gay movement which he'd supported so honorably etc etc and then goes to Sa- so it's all compassionate per- there we need that bag like we need a hole in the head by the way if we can not find the number six that can come without the baggage that henderson would come with and I, I do see the theory of him being a decent player etc 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 and maybe it would be easy to do a deal because he's coming from saudi uh, with our links there but you know, it's not the one I'm getting enthusiastic about and start slavering at the mouth about. I think it, I think it carries an awful lot of
0: baggage that we could do without. Hmm, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's actually one of the clubs that isn't directly linked to the PIF. But you're right; that you know that would still bring scrutiny. The fact that he's gone out there and he's going to come potentially. Yeah, he's not
1: part of the our family out there. But we we
0: we would find it easy to do a deal with a Saudi club yes. because think, of our background. Given that. You know Isaac Hayden returning the Jordan Henderson links that people haven't just thrown them straight out. You know people have actually considered them. I'm talking about Newcastle United fans, our audience, you and I, John. Yeah. We haven't yeah. straight away just gone no. Does that to does that reaffirm the situation Castle find themselves in with financial fair play when the takeover was was confirmed, et cetera, et cetera. You know Newcastle, the richest club in the world, what what have you. There's not a chance that people would have thought 2024 Newcastle would be considering or fans would actually be looking at it thinking, Isaac Hayden coming back, Jordan Henderson, short-term deal. Goodness me, is that is that what we have to do because of FFP? But it is something that it is being talked about and looked at realistically because of the constraints that Newcastle find themselves in financially.
1: Well, that's true. It is also true that it's a very bad month to buy players clubs yes. are very very reluctant to let players go in january because it leaves them with a hole in their own club hayden's different he's already ours. he's been sent back home henderson could be different because Firmino could go from their uh, saudi as well there's a few that took the coin that now are thinking we took the coin but the standard of football and the heat and the situation is very different and we're out of the mainstream it was a bad move let's go back from whence we came um so it, it's availability to a great extent, isn't it? Um, because it's limited what you can get in January. But uh, I certainly Hayden's not the answer, and I would prefer not to go down the Henderson route whatsoever. And Jeff Hendrick's not the answer, is he? Oh, goodness gracious me, we're now getting silly. Right? Well, We'll now bring Ryan Fraser in to play number nine. And he's not the answer either, by the way.
0: I'm just joking for the audience. I know, you were. I know you I'm were. I'm just clearing that one up. I um, know you
1: were, but th- he could get sent back. They're trying to send him back as well.
0: Yeah, they're struggling to offload these these players who you oh. suspect are on massive wages for the clubs who who would potentially... Who are, who
1: are players on huge wages and long contracts. We're still paying the price.
0: Indeed, indeed we are. Against Sunderland, John, we both said in the build-up that the leaders needed to return to the fold. That fight, that desire had been missing, it, especially against Forrest and Luton. And if you go hiding in the derby, you'll get found out. We saw a proper leader's performance from Kieran Trippier. We saw others like Dan Burns stepping up as well. We have to see the same against Manchester City, don't we?
1: Yes, without a shadow of doubt. Without a shadow of doubt. Um, we've got to see that and a little bit more because, um, you know, this is, a, a, I mean, it makes the other test a nonsense. And, of course, my concern uh, is that while I would go with the same team that started against Sunderland, with the possibility of Miley for Joe Linton if Big Joe's not fit, uh, you look at the bench against Sunderland and we're not going to have Harvey Barnes or Callum Wilson back until after this little break that's coming up following, so they're not going to be back for this game. We've got no attackers on the bench. We haven't got Callum Wilson, we haven't got Harvey Barnes, we haven't got Jacob Murphy, we haven't even got Joe Willock-Elliot-Anderson, who are really midfielders, but attacking midfielders. We've got none of them. Our bench, there is no chance of changing the front three to any, especially if Joe Linton isn't available, at least if he played midfield, you can stick him up somewhere in the front three if necessary. But he might not be there We have nothing up top So if we drop a goal behind to City At some stage in the game Or we run out of legs At some stage in the game What game changers have we on the bench? Plenty of defensive players But no offensive players So that is a liability um, And that is huh, I don't want to dwell on it too much Because we've been wonderful in the transfer market Since the new regime come but I don't think we were too wonderful last summer mm. when we see we, we got two cover fullbacks, one of which Hall may as well not be here. Um and we didn't get a centre forward, we didn't get a six, we didn't get a centre half. Some key positions, right winger, that we felt we needed, we didn't get, but we got a reserve right back and a reserve left back in, in Tonali, who we've all forgotten about, who of course we didn't know was gonna get this dreadful ban, but I tell you what, before he got the ban his form wasn't good.
0: No, not at all. But hindsight, I guess, is a is a wonderful thing, but you are right that they, they did leave some key positions unfilled. I mean, let's just rule it out right now. Eddie Howe will play a back four against Manchester City. He's not going to go to a back five. We don't think, no. expect him to. He wants no. to stick to his approach of things. And let's be fair, against Man City back in August, it actually worked all right. I remember coming out of that game thinking, why didn't Newcastle press a bit more? Why didn't Newcastle try and do something? Um, you know, because they were in that game, but they kind of sat back off. When I thought Manchester yes. City. We Weren't there for the taking, No, of course not. But they, 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 were, they were vulnerable to a certain extent. And it's going to be interesting to see how Newcastle set up on Saturday. I mean, we saw last season in that 3-3 draw, Man City couldn't handle the press. The issue being, John, in recent weeks, the press hasn't been there for Newcastle no. because they're absolutely no. knackered. Do you think it's going to be there against City this Saturday?
1: Not to the extent that it was last season when we finished fourth top. It's going to be better. It was better at Sunderland, no question. And um, We are now playing one match a week, which is a heck of a help because it gives breathers. It gives not only time for players to get back because we're not feeling that yet, but we will after the break if we get Wilson and, and uh, Harvey Bonds back. But... What is doing is giving them time on the training ground to get themselves more organised. Hopefully, this week, as we've mentioned earlier in this podcast, Andrew, the emphasis has been on midfield shape, because that is what's. We're okay with the front three. We know what they're doing. Almir and Isaac and Gordon. We know what the back four are doing with Trippier, Shaw, Botman, and Burn. It's a midfield that needs organising.
0: I tell you what, though, if it was me. I'd be taking Byrne out and putting Livermento at left-back because I think Dan Byrne would be targeted uh, oh. on Saturday. I mean, I don't think anyhow we will do that. I think he will stick with that back four. He'll stick with pretty much the whole team, other than, like we say, the enforced change, Miley for Joe Linton. But if it was me, I'd be playing Livermento at left-back.
1: Well, I mean, my concern over Big Dan is, is been well-voiced virtually every week when we do a podcast and good from the ways get going and got on with the job etc but the chronic lack of pace uh, is only one of the things that is uh, evident when tricky players are up against them and when you think of Phil Ford and whatever I mean when you Bernardo Silva. When you think of uh, Alcâs, when you think of any of them, they are quality. Quality. They're quick. They've got beautiful feet. The, you know, his lack of pace, and of course, he's limited going forward, which more than uh, than uh, the old Saints, that is. Yes, I would make that change too, but it won't happen.
0: No, it won't because, happen. In... No, no, Eddie won't do it. You, you mentioned that. <laughs> Newcastle's lack of uh, ability to change things. I just want to read you the starting 11 that Manchester City had in their 5-0 victory in the FA Cup over Huddersfield. You have Akanji, Ruben Diaz, uh, Guardiola, Gomez at the back four. Then you have uh, Lewis, Kovacic, Bob, Foden, Grealish, and Alvarez. They're the starting 11. On the bench, you had Walker, Ake, Doku, Rodri, De Bruyne, Nunes, Edison, Wright, and Hamilton. So... Apologies to the last two, not quite sure you two are, but that bench is scary. No Haaland on it. Goodness me. I mean, they are one side who definitely have the ability to change things up, whether it be at 11 or during the game.
1: It's frightening. If you dwell too much on it, you'll you'll absolutely not sleep at night. Um, And the difference is going to be the bench. We've already trust on it, saying there's not a forward player on our bench. But, I mean, you know, Haaland may not... Be involved at all probably won't be, but De Bruyne I don't think he'll start. I think he'll be on the bench, but he in come on as he did. Doku has more chance of starting, and um, because he's been out eight matches, but a shorter space of time than the Belgian. And the Belgian himself has come out and said, you know, it's a very important match against Newcastle. I've got to make certain I look after myself physically to be able to keep playing after the injuries he's had and I expect to be back on the bench I think he will be on the bench and he will come off the bench, Doku I think is a better quality winger than Jack Grealish who plays for England I think he's a step up in, you know when we've always talked about a step up, you know Pope's a step up from De Volker, Botman's a step up from from Bernal Lascelles, well Doku is a step up from Grealish, you can step up and step up. But their bench, when you think De Bruyne will be on it, either Grealish or Ducco will be on it, and everyone else, their, their bench is frightening. They can change the game at any time. We can't change the game. Because if we are down, in, if you don't get any injuries, Andrew, if we are down, having four defensive players, you know, Domit and, and Hall and Lafermento and Craft uh, uh, and that isn't going to change the game when you're already losing. Hmm. It, it, it's your attacking players that's going to change. And what attacking players are we going to have? Matt Ritchie, probably, um, if you would call him an attacking player these days. Uh, because we, we haven't got anybody else. Parkinson or one of the boys, the kids. And um, That's a big difference to the Man City bench, isn't it?
0: It certainly is. And I guess it just reaffirms the journey Newcastle are going to go on to get to a similar level where they have this squad, which is just scary um, if you are the opposition. But at the same time, Eddie Howe won't be looking at that Manchester City side and not he won't be worrying about it too much because he'll be focusing on what his side can do and what his side can affect in 90 minutes. And that's the, the right approach to take. Um, it's just going to be a very interesting game, isn't it, John? I mean, yeah. we'll be back, Newcastle are back at home. And I know they yeah. lost to Forest, but their home record is, um, is is brilliant. They'll want to get back to winning ways at St. James's Park to prove that Forest game was a blip and to prove that what happened in the build-up to Christmas has been a blip. Easier said than done. But with the fans behind them, an evening kick-off, under the lights, hopefully a brilliant atmosphere, Newcastle United can definitely take something from this game and hopefully all three points, right?
1: Yes he says cautiously and um, my, my black and white heart tells me all that's true and um, when i think of luton town and nottingham forest and when i think of our attacking subs bench and when i think of their attacking subs bench i think it's one heck if we are realistic it's one heck of a test um, because we we at the races against luton and forest Not at the races, and and we were very much at the races against Sunderland. But we're not playing Sunderland. We're not playing anything like Sunderland. I mean, this is the hardest, apart from the possibility of Manchester City away. And we, I know, we only lost one nil there, but it was still a defeat, of course. And this is the hardest follow-up match you you could get, really. Um, And yes, the possibility of Liverpool would be. The same situation. Uh, we need everybody to be on blob and we need nobody to take knocks during the game because Joe Linton took a knock against Sunderland. Callum Wilson before that took a knock. I mean, if 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 Isaac, Isaac or even Almir and O'Gordon take a first half knock as Joe Linton did against Sunderland, we're in massive trouble, Andrew, aren't we?
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. You want to get through this game. Unscathed. Newcastle, twenty nine points. John, a win would we'll take them on thirty two. Um You know they're falling a little bit behind there. They, they do need three points to try and keep up with those above them. Man City equally will need a win because they're currently five points off the top. They have got a game in hand on on those uh, above them. But you know both sides will will be looking at this game and thinking, you know, if we lose here, our respective aims. Become even harder.
1: Oh, yes. There's uh, yes, there's no question about that. We've got to somehow, I'm talking just about the league, forget the FA Cup in the match with Fulham. We know what we've got to do in the FA Cup, and that's keep it going, because this could be our lifeline for the season. But we've somehow, you know, when we talked about we must get six points against Luton and Forrest, and we got none. Well, you can't say we must get six points against City and Aston Villa because we won't get six points against City and Aston Villa. But we've got to try to get something because then we're coming on to quite decent games in the league. I think we've got Luton, Forrest and Bournemouth is the next three games after Villa. So we've got to try to stay afloat somehow against City and Villa and then pick up points against those three sides. And by the way... May I say just to dampen us down And and keep us realistic That those three games where we should Get nine points in theory When we play Luton, Forrest and Bournemouth following Villa All three of them Have beaten us this season, can you believe that? Can you believe that Those three sides That were our next up after Villa Have taken All points against Newcastle This season, that's the sort of I mean, this season is just like a bouncy castle. One minute we're
0: up and one minute we're down. Thanks for that, John. I was trying to finish on a a positive note. Thank you. Well, yeah,
1: you'll have a job because you're going to ask me the result,
0: aren't you? I'm I'm going to in a second, but we'll have a two-week break after this game and this question will apply to, to both Man City and Newcastle, but is it a chance for the players just to give even more, just Not to leave anything behind. You've got two weeks resting and recuperation. They'll they'll probably jet off for a few days and have a nice break before. I don't know. Maybe I think Man City are going to have a warm weather training camp, no Newcastle previously have done. So I don't know what their plans are. But this is surely with two weeks on the uh, coming up on the horizon, where there's no no games. uh, You've got plenty of time to relax and and you know build up that fitness. This is a game where you just you give everything, isn't it?
1: Well, you've got to, absolutely, because and also this tiredness business, and and by the way, I'm not playing it down, it had a huge effect on Newcastle, but that's when we were playing three games a week, weekend, midweek, weekend, and couldn't change the side because everybody was injured. We haven't been doing that. We had a clear week up to Sunderland and we've got a clear week from Sunderland up to Manchester City. It is back to the routine we had last season when we finished fourth top because we weren't battling day after day after day, match after match after match. So we shouldn't be suffering from tiredness against Manchester City because in a fortnight we've only played at at, at Sunderland. So that ought to be out the equation, even though we're having to rely on the same team. They're not playing three a week. They're playing one a week really now. So that is in our favour again, uh, and it needs to be. But we've got to have a huge bash at this because this is almost a free hit. All neutrals uh, are convinced we'll lose. And um, it, it's only black and white hearts that are convinced that we won't lose. Um, but all, to all neutrals, Newcastle lose this game, and it wouldn't be a shock. It would be it might be a shock if we won two neutrals, I mean um mm-hmm. so you know it's almost a free hit this one the the pressure games were Luton town and nottingham forest
0: yeah no i agree i hate that phrase though i do i hate the phrase free hit because this is not the newcastle united of all this is the newcastle united under hediarwin you know, we should be aiming to, to get all three points from every single game, but I take into consideration that the form coming in this game has not being brilliant. A free, so. a
1: free hit doesn't mean that we don't try to win. It, no. a, it means that you play without pressure on you. It's a free hit that way because there isn't pressure because nobody expects us to win. So you go after them, blood and thunder, and you might get a result. The pressure games were looting in forest when automatically everybody thinks Newcastle win. Then they don't, and the pressure becomes unbearable because we didn't. You know, a free hit is not like, oh, we'll all lie down because we're expected to lose it. It means you can get under the radar and get at them because nobody's expecting you to be able to pull it off. And you might just, you know, you can really, I mean, we did it last season up here. The 3-3 we had them at 3-1 with half an hour to go and they were absent and and maxi was running the legs off of walker kyle walker and how often have you seen that in your life by the way the quickness of walker and and maxi had him on toast in that game of course great sides come back and they came back and they got a 3-3 draw but what a magnificent game that was and um, and really we weren't expected to do anything in that game but, I mean, if I'm realistic, you know, you and I can understand why, and you were, you were worried in certain games like Sunderland and Kiss, and certainly Forrest and Luton, because things weren't going right and we were worried and not optimistic. Now we can be optimistic because we beat Sunderland. But if we're, there's a difference between being optimistic and being realistic. And realistically, it is very difficult remembering the run Newcastle are still in against top clubs i'm taking this under the match out against top clubs in the league cup europe and the premier league it's what seven defeats nate or something from in those games um and this is as tough as any of those were
0: yeah it certainly is realistically yeah you're right you you predicted defeats, but screw it i'm gonna be totally black and white blinded here I'm going to go for a one-nil victory to Newcastle United.
1: You were terrified about Sunderland now, now because we have beaten Sunderland. Do you ever to take over the world? And uh, and I hope you're right, but you won't be. I won't be. What score going to be then? I don't know about the score, but uh, because the score can be anything. But um, I, I would snatch a hand off for a draw now. I think we'll narrowly lose.
0: Okay, I will wait and see to you guys watching on YouTube. Let us know in the comments what you think the score will be. Can Newcastle upset the odds against Manchester City? Thank you very much for joining us on the Everything Is Black and White podcast, The Match Preview. Head over to ChronicleLive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United News, including Eddie hours press conference on Friday morning, live coverage of this game through our dedicated match day blog. And if you get a second and you're listening on the audio channel, please remember to review our podcast. Give us a nice five-star rating if you think we're worthy. We really do appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your week.